Hi, I'm your host, Megan Moritz. Inspirational leadership is a common term in companies, yet inspirational leaders are exceedingly rare. If we want people to bring their most creative, innovative selves to work, we need to cultivate a culture where inspiration is given, encouraged, and fostered. Our guest today has researched this topic extensively, and her latest book, The Inspiration Code, seeks to explore everyday actions that energize and mobilize teams. Christy Hedges will be the speaker at ISAGA's next member-exclusive speaker series event, Cultivating Inspired Leaders, where she will share what inspiring people do that anyone, regardless of position or title, can replicate. Welcome to the ISACA podcast, and welcome to today's distinguished guest, communications expert, author, speaker, and sought-after leadership coach, Christy Hedges. Welcome, Christy. Thank you, Megan. So happy to be here. Yes, I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you. This is going to be great. Um, we'll jump right in and see where this conversation takes us. So you are a communications expert. You're an author, a speaker, a sought-after leadership coach. Um, can you tell us how inspirational leadership as an idea entered your life? Yeah, so I would add to that list uh, a student of inspiration. So this is something that I've been interested in for a very long time. Uh, and, you know, as a lot of things enter our lives, this kind of happened by accident. Uh, I was uh, out with my first book, uh, which was called The Power of Presence. I was out talking to a lot of audiences about presence and what creates it, um, what makes people, uh, you know, show up to be their fullest and best selves uh, in, in work and leadership. Uh, and I would ask people about uh, folks who inspired them. And what I was trying to connect was this idea that uh, people who inspire us um, have a strong presence. That's really kind of what I was going for. I was trying to sort of lead people into this. Uh, and um, what I found was that people would talk about these people who had inspired them. And, and a lot of times, most of the time, they boiled down to these incredible conversations they'd had that changed their lives. Uh, and they were at all different points in their lives. People talked about their parents, their coaches they had when they were kids. They talked about their first boss. They talked about a stranger that they met um, in an airport restaurant uh, who said something to them and they were like, oh my gosh, you're right. I can go do that. I mean, it, it was just really, it really spanned so many different types of people. Uh, and then, and what we carried these, these words that people told us around forever. And I got really curious about that um, because I also saw how little inspiration we often had in our modern workplaces. And this was pre COVID, right? Pre the pandemic. And I think that's just in, you know, increased because we are in, on these, many of us in hybrid or remote work environments, still not quite back to the way that we used to be. Uh, but even, even so, even then, um, what I found was when people would come into a session, they would often be, um, you know, a little skeptical as we are when we go to hear a speaker, um, maybe waiting to, to hear something that we hope will kind of lift us up a little bit. Um, but the energy was, you know, often, you know, sort of what the energy is, where you guys have all experienced it in these things when people start. But then when they would talk about these folks who inspired them, the energy would just go off the charts. Um, and it would stay that way for the rest of the time. And, and so I, I just looked at that and I thought, this is something that needs exploring because we need more of this and we need to be able to intentionally get more of this. And so that's where it started. Uh, so two questions. You said, you know, you had written your first book. How does one just decide like, you know what? I'm going to write a book because that does not enter my brain ever in the history of my life. <laughs> um, so, you know, you jumped right into that. Like, what? Yeah. My first book. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because after you write a book, I think because uh, I'm, now I'm coming up with ideas for another book, I look back and I'm like, how did I do that? And I remember when I was writing this book, I looked back at the first one and thought, how did I do that? You know, like I can't make, I can't do that again. Um, and then you do. And, and I think, um, you know, what started the first book was that uh, I would I would work with, I'm a, I'm a leadership coach. That's really um, my, my day job. Uh, and so uh, I would work with clients and, um, you know, talk to them about, you know, resources to give them afterwards. And I would tend to like patch all these things together uh, and then often undo things that they had been told that didn't work for them. So for example, a lot of us think when we're talking about presence that we have to show up as the leader, capital L, and this is what it looks like because we're told this is what it looks like. Um, when we know what attracts us to other people and what engages us is uh, authenticity, humanity, um, an interesting um, personality, like things that are kind of memorable, uh, much more um, engaged and um, and uh, connected, right? And so that doesn't really happen with perfection. So I would kind of like go through and try to unwind those things for folks. And I did that enough times um, where I was like, you know what, I should just sort of, I should just go out and put the research that I know that that works and I see that it works into a book. And so that, that's how the first one came about. Um, the second one came about, as I said, I got, I got curious uh, as I was out there talking to folks and thought, hmm, you know, there's I think there's something here. And as I did the research, I found out that there was. Fascinating. Yeah, I don't think that that I have whatever genetic makeup that is to write a book. Never say never. You don't know. <laughs> I love to write. Like I journal all the time. And I always think like, maybe when I'm gone, someone will open a, a hope chest and get this out and publish it. So I'm always writing it as a like, in case you're interested, but it's not, that can happen. I'm not that interesting. Well, like, I want to be a journaler. So you're one ahead of me. Like I, I really, really, I start journals all the time. I'm a great journal starter. Together, we're great. I'll yeah. journal you write. It's perfect. Right. right. <gasps> All right. So um, you've conducted a lot of research, obviously, doing your books mm -hmm. on the topic of inspiration. Um, how did you start researching this topic and how has it changed over time? Mm. So I guess I started it just by looking at all of the social science research that's been done um, over the past 20 or 30 years. And, and there's a lot of it. You know, people are looking at um, have been looking at inspiration, what, what you know brings it about. Um, also inspiration in a positive way, but we also know people can be inspired um, to do negative things. And so there's also good research um, on the dark side of inspiration, uh, if you will. And so, you know, when I started doing that, I started reaching out to people that I know and respect, and then and they introduced me to researchers that they know and respect. And, you know, you start kind of following the breadcrumbs um, to see where they go. Uh, and then I also started talking to people. So I did my own firsthand research, uh, really just qualitative conversations where I looked at, you know, I looked at who... I think are, are very inspirational. What did they do? Uh, I talked to people who had, couldn't find inspiration and what they weren't doing. And so I, I just, and, and also again, all those conversations with folks who had inspired, um, you know, the person I was talking to in the past. And so, you know, what was it that your first boss did that made you decide to not become a finance person, leave the finance industry and, and go into HR? Like, what was that? Uh, and so um, when I when I started like doing that, then you start to see themes and patterns and things come together. Uh, and so, you know, I would say that when I started out, um, I probably thought um, that there was um, all this was going to be uh, most of it was going to be around how we communicate because uh, that had to be it. That had to be the trick. Um, but then when I, you know, I went through the process, I found out that it's not just about how we communicate. It's, it's also about um, how we seek information, how we get inputs. Uh, and then very often about how we listen, uh, which ended up being the number one trait of inspirational leadership was that they were good listeners. So that's a pretty big shift. Yeah, I, I 
listening is so critical. And I can tell if I go to talk to my boyfriend, for example, and he's on his phone. Yeah. Um, tell me when tell me when I can talk to you. He's like, you can talk to me. I'm like, no, no, no. Tell me when I can talk to you and you're going to hear me. Um, because if he has that in his hand, I mean, no offense to him. I love him. He's great. But yeah, you can't listen and process like you just can't do that. Um, yeah, and there's then- actually research. Oh, I'm sorry to me to cut you off, but there's actually research on that note that uh, just having a phone uh, in front of you uh, with everything turned off, just sitting in front of you when you're talking to somebody, it reduces the amount of empathy that's exchanged in the conversation. So it really has a powerful pull, even when someone says like your boyfriend, oh, hey, you know, I can do both at the same time. Yeah. And I saw something recently where they were talking about people being out to dinner and, you know, you take your phone out and you just set it on the table, mm-hmm. right? You just set it there, even if it's face down. And that it immediately tells the person like, this is more interesting than you. Um, and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. that's that's rough. Um, so now I try to like shove it under my leg or something, you know, so that it's not in my pocket. But it's still like a constant distraction of things that you want to look at. Yeah. So I, I even I think about like, what if, you know, take the technology before phones. Let's go way back. How about a book? Can you imagine going to dinner with somebody and putting a book on the table while you're having dinner? Right. right. What does that say? Like, I don't know if this is going to be entertaining enough for me. So I may need to pull out my book. Yeah. Let me um, just go ahead and read it. <laughs> no, it's, it's like obscene. It's absurd. Um, but we do it all the time. Do you think that um, inspirational leadership and and these people, when they talk about their parents or, or coaches or whatever, um, that a lot of it is kind of some really sage advice? Because I think about those one little, those one liners I've heard throughout mm-hmm. my life that really stick with me and kind of yeah. help inspire. Um, do you hear a lot of those? I hear them all the time. And 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 it's, I don't know if they're one liners, though I love a good one liner. Um, they're often short conversations, though. They don't have to be like we sat in an office and we talked about this for four hours. And then I left and said, yes, um, you know, it, it could be 15 minutes, right? It can be like I said, it can be somebody that you meet in an airport that just happens to you know, say something that you need to hear. Um, but the trick is that the other person has to be open uh, and you can't force somebody to be open and you can't force somebody to be inspired. Uh, and so that's why sometimes there's magic to them and sometimes there's not. And why somebody can say something to you when you're 25 and it goes right over your head. And then somebody tells you the same thing when you're 35 and you're like, wow, that's really important to know um, because you're not open to it in, in 25. And so that that's the magic piece that uh, that we can't force somebody to be, but we can create conditions where they're more likely to be open. And it's so funny, it, it, just in this conversation, I'm like, oh, I want to tell her about this thing that somebody told me. And then I want to tell her about this thing that somebody else told me and like turn this into my own little coaching session. But we won't do that. No, no, actually, now I'm curious. <laughs> you might end up with another book, though. I can't promise you won't. <laughs> so this is this is my favorite because it didn't happen to me. Um, years ago, my boyfriend was married, had two small children, um, and he was out to dinner. And he went to the washroom and he was washing his hands. And an older gentleman came out and washed his hands next to him and said to him, are you here with your family? And my boyfriend, obviously being receptive to like, why is this random person talking to me in the bathroom? So I looked at him and was like, yeah. And he just looked him dead in the eyes and said, do me a favor. Enjoy your time with them because you don't wake up when you're my age wishing you'd worked more. And it was one of the very first things that my boyfriend told me when we started to date. And it resonated so deeply with him and then so deeply with me. This guy, I couldn't tell you who he is. He couldn't Mm -hmm. tell you who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was like, oh, this is the priority. This is the shift in the mentality of like what is important in life. And it was so inspirational just in a bathroom in a restaurant, you know? 
crazy. Love that story. Yeah, I, I know. Like we carry these things around. I said almost like talismans, like these conversations that have been told to us that just were so impactful. Uh, and then we reach back and we hold on to them when we need them and we make decisions on them. It sounds like he decided he didn't want to work all the time and miss out on things. So he changed some things about his life. It's just, if you think about it, it's crazy what happens because of these kind of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It truly, it truly is powerful. Okay. Sorry. Letting, for, thanks for letting me yeah, do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um, what benefits have leaders and organizations been able to realize when they put inspirational leadership into practice? Well, I, I, you know, a lot of things, you know, but just to sort of answer that question as succinctly as I can, um, let's just kind of talk about the moment that we're in, uh, where um, in, inspiration at work, I would say, you know, I thought it was at, at, a, at a bit of um, a low point, but I, I think it's, it's definitely gotten lower. Right. Uh, and so you've heard about quiet quitting and we've heard about people sort of doing the bare minimum or checking out or leaving their jobs um, and, and not doing anything because they just, you know, they, they don't want to do the hustle anymore. Um, somebody just told me the other day that um, hustle is the new stupid. Uh, and I thought <laughs> that's really interesting um, for a Gen X kid. I'm like, really? Uh, and so, um, you know, it's changing. Right. I think we're seeing all these things playing out at the same time. And so uh, and I think people have also reassessed. Um, back to that conversation in the bathroom that you mentioned, people reassessed what's most important to them and where they're getting purpose from. And so um, our ideas of purpose are really expanding. And so all this comes together to mean like inspiration is kind of in this weird moment. It's in this kind of messy middle um, where people want to be inspired at work, but they also may not think that they can get inspired at work anymore. And so they're not quite sure what to do about that. So, you know, enter into this inspirational leadership. What we're telling people uh, is that um, it's okay to live a life with purpose um, and I'm going to help you find it uh, and I'm going to give you things and, and be there as a leader in a way that's a very human way to be, um, but also encourages you and kind of holds you to a higher standard for yourself. Like, you know, I think you should be inspired at work uh, and let's figure out how to get that done. Um, because if you're not inspired now, there are ways to be more inspired. So that's that's what it can do. It creates whole new conditions. So you think about that versus, hey, let's just come in and clock in and do our job and then leave. Um, and God, we can't get inspired here because it's work. Um, you know, that's a very different scenario. So I would say we need it now more than ever. Do you think as a fellow Gen Xer, um, when we look at social media and it's mm -hmm. I'm sure my algorithms are aligned in one way than other people's, but um, there's so much about this toxic work environment and, you know, mm -hmm. um, what you were talking about, the hustle and and Gen Z and all this, like they're trying to infiltrate, like to come to our side. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, negative thoughts, spurn, spar, whatever, mm -hmm. spur, negative thoughts, right? The more you're negative, 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 the more you're going to be that way, the more you're positive, 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 the more you're yeah. How do these leaders kind of combat this whole like everybody's watching all this stuff of like work isn't great and I'm not happy mm -hmm. and, you know, nobody's inspiring me. How do you how do you beat that? Yeah. Wow. That's a really good question. Um, well, the first thing is you ask, what would make you happy? Uh, and so, you know, a lot of times people, they don't really have an answer for that. And, and I think that's where the inspirational leadership really comes in, too. 
Um, you know, there's all kinds of psychological research that that humans are awful at actually knowing what makes them happy. <laughs> we just we get it wrong, um, which is you know why we end up you know kind of doing things and looking back later all the time like why did I do that? That, that didn't work out. Um, but one of the things that comes out of inspiration research, which is very clear, is that to be inspired, we need new inputs. Uh, is what the researchers call it. In other words, we need to be exposed to new things. So that means uh, new people. It means uh, you know new. Uh, resources like books. It means be getting outside of you know your home office if that's where you are all the time, or getting out outside of um, you know the five core people that you work with day in and day out. And so that creates you know you need a little bit of motion to do that. And so not all of it has to be strictly in the work environment. And sometimes people can say, hey, you know what? I went out and I took an improv class, and all of a sudden I just I saw that I could have a lightness about myself that I had forgotten. So I bring that back into the workplace. So that works too. Um, but we need new inputs. We get stale really quickly, and when we get stale, inspiration dies. Uh, and so, as a leader, that's one of the things that you can be in conversation with your team about, which is, you know, what do you think is going to make you happy? Let's try some stuff. Great. Um, I'm going to try really hard. Uh, so, if you were to, I know the presentation hasn't happened yet, but when you give this member exclusive speaker series, what's the one thing that you hope? people will take away. And of course, everybody's going to take away something different. But if you were like, man, there's one thing I really, you should come to this because you're going to get this out of it. What would you tell people that is? Oh, well, well, first of all, um, many, many, many people and myself included came into the idea of inspiration thinking that it was going to be hard. Uh, that I thought of inspirational leaders uh, as those people who are, uh, you know, larger than life. They, they kind of move the room when they walk in, we gravitate towards them. Um, and that's just simply not the case. So to be an um, inspired leader, um, you know, many of the skills for that are the day-to-day -day things that we already know how to do. Uh, we just need to do them consistently. Uh, and so they are things like listening in a different way, um, being open to, to different scenarios, um, modeling uh, inspiration of purpose in ourselves so people see what that looks like and see what's possible. Um, talking to people in a different way. So it's, you know, the day in, day out, uh, those are the things that typically inspire us. And so I'm, I'm just guessing as people listen to this, if you think about the people who've told you something really inspiring in your life, that's who they were. Um, they were they were people in your orbit uh, that, you know, said something that really, really helped you. It was very um, impactful. Um, so that's probably the biggest takeaway. The stuff isn't hard. Uh, it just, we have to know how to do it and how to do it consistently. Um, and the second piece is that when we are more inspiring to others, we become more inspired ourselves. So this is this wonderful virtuous cycle uh, that uh, we all want to be inspired. So many leaders will say, hey, I'd love to be more inspiring, but I'm not that inspired. Um, well, guess what? This stuff works on you too. Uh, and so it's the same stuff. We all need it and we need to replenish it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think when you hear the word leader with the capital L versus, you know, leader with a lowercase L, mm -hmm. which I heard last week. And so the fact that you brought that up again, I think is cool. But you I always conjure up something like, you know, um, Mother Teresa and yeah. Martin Luther King. And I'm like, I'm not even close to that. But you can be a, a good leader without having this this huge platform and this huge stage um, to inspire someone like the guy. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, you know, I don't have any research to support this, um, but I do think just on anecdotal experience that those people are hard to get close to anyway. So, yes, we can listen to them speak and they can say something very inspiring to the masses. Um, and, and it is very meaningful and it has inspiration um, for many important things in life. So I, I don't want to diminish that at all. But in our individual lives, um, you know, we're more inspired by people that we can relate to. 
Uh, and so, and the reason that guy was so inspiring, I love that example. We'll just keep coming back to it. It's because he was older who had had kids, right? So he wasn't that dissimilar to your boyfriend uh, in that conversation. And so, you know, he could see himself in his eyes uh, and that's important. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for this. I could go on and on and on. Yes, I could too. I loved it. <laughs> the listeners would be like, no, we're good. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for for talking to me and for being here for this. I appreciate it. And um, thanks to all of our listeners for listening in, of course. Um, and listeners, make sure you register for the member exclusive speaker series event online by going to isaka.org. If you're not currently an ISACA member, consider joining ISACA to attend this event and enjoy other member exclusive benefits. Uh, Christy, again, thank you so, so much. And um, if people want to get in touch with you, I would assume attend the speaker event and then uh, they can find out more, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, thank you so much for for having me. I really loved it. I hope to see many of you guys at the speaker event and we'll talk more about inspiration. Awesome. Thanks.